Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, guys. I just have one last announcement that I need to make. You guys may have seen this poster out in the foyer. Everybody see this? Grayson is opening on the 16th. That is the, that is the date. We're excited about it. Still a little bit of work to do left there. They're uh, training staff and stuff in the next uh, couple weeks until that day. So there's a lot of things going on, and uh, we need your prayers. But we also have on the, on the table back there, I need, I need a volunteer or two. Not everybody take these, but a couple people so we know where they're going. Who is willing to go to some retail places, your Starbucks, your McDonald's, place like that. See if they'll put these up in their windows. And then people can just follow the, the website at the ba- bottom and they can go and they can give. Last year, I think we had just from this alone, like around 15000 come in. And so if you could help us out, uh, you say, I don't have $1,000 to give, but if I have some time, I can do this. And this is just the same as doing that. So if you could help us out, they're up at the front. Come see me after the service. And we would love to, uh, to take you in on that deal. And, and uh, we're just so excited. Rob and Christine have worked like crazy uh, uh, Robin, uh, over the last few weeks. And uh, Rob today is with Elizabeth over at the Pentecostal Quinney. They're doing a presentation there. And I said to Pastor Sean, I said, you know, I remember when we were at the park this summer and you said, you know, it doesn't matter if you get the money from the city or not. You know, that we're there behind you as a Christian community. He said, yeah, I remember that. I said, well, you know, on Sunday, give big. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so they're over there today. Uh, working with him, I said, so on Sunday, you make sure you tell your congregation to give big. And he, he said, well, I'll do just that. Pastor, I'll do just that. So I'm excited that they're over there this morning. And we're, we're thrilled that God is, is going to do some great things. We'll see if it's going to work this week. Since we had problems last week, we'll see what we get this week. Uh, amen. Come on. Praise the Lord. Because I do got a video I want to play, so. Is it that little thing again, Sheldon? Input D. Yes, we see that. Yep. Anyway, um, last week I ended with the statement, and I said that many people have no peace at this time of year because they fail to understand that Christmas is really the celebration of the gift of Jesus Christ. And that Jesus, even though they may be familiar of the birth story, they may be familiar uh, with, you know, the fact that Jesus, you know, was this special person. They don't make the connection between, as the video we showed last week, between birth Jesus and, and, and Jesus who died on the cross. They don't realize that, that Jesus who was born in the manger was the Jesus who came to shed his blood for humanity. That he was a gift, as we've called it uh, this year, that was wrapped in red. That he was a gift that was going to shed his blood for our uh, in the theological terms, for our remission of sins. That he was going to take care of a sin problem that we had. And so throughout history, we see that that has been a problem, that there's a lot of people don't get that. And today, you can talk to a lot of people who don't even know that it's about the birth of Jesus. They don't even understand that. They're like, well, isn't it about Santa Claus and, and reindeer and uh, all the stuff that it's been held hostage with? over the last number of years as we've enculturated different things into the Christmas holiday. And we've done the same thing with Easter, but, you know, uh, Easter is not, I think, as overrun as Christmas. And so uh, some people uh, think it's just about, uh, uh, you know, a time to collect eggs out in the front lawn. But, you know, uh, it hasn't been overrun like Christmas has been overrun over the last number of years. 
Well, this morning, I want to share with you a message that um, uh, I've entitled uh, the, the Cradle, the Cross, and the Crown. And Billy Graham used those three words to describe it and preach a message about Christmas. A number of years ago, I'm sure other preachers have done it. I'm sure it wasn't even original with Billy Graham. Uh, but uh, I believe that there's something to us for us this morning to see that this really is a three-part story. And, uh, and in fact, sometimes we get the cradle and the cross, but we don't get the crown. And I think it's important that we understand all three of them. And uh, we have the, uh, the beautiful blessing and the difficulty of living in the most transitory time in history. Does everybody know what I mean by that? The, the, the old song that says nothing really changes, everything remains the same, we are what we are till the day we die. There is some measure of truth to that, but I think most people today would challenge that truth, and they would say everything is always changing, right? This world is constantly in a state of flux. It's change after change after change after change after change, and it drives you crazy sometimes trying to keep up with it. You know, just when I've agreed that I'll occasionally check Facebook, I find out that only old people use Facebook. Right? You know, I mean, uh, 10 years ago, I thought it was the in thing. Now I'm being told, no, only old people use Facebook. I'm, oh, so Twitter's in, right? No, Twitter, that's passe. Oh, so then I said Instagram. Well, Instagram, that was yesterday. Today it's Snapchat, and what's the other one? Uh, TikTok, see what I mean? I don't even know the names, but I can't keep up, right? All these different types of media platforms that they have out there that are one after another, after another, after another, and it's constantly changing. How many over 40 here this morning know exactly what I'm talking about? Raise your hands. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it staggers the imagination. I just can't keep up. So uh, it, it's difficult. Now, when it comes to you know, what the computer can do and the technology, I can sit down and describe my computer like Laura just described that guitar. She was using language that in here most people didn't even understand, right? Matt knew what she was talking about, but some of you are going, what? It's got a what? Right? And, and I can talk about my computer the same way. Most people will go, what in the world is he talking about? Uh, and, and the reality is that uh, I'm talking about, you know, specifics and details of something that has changed so drastically that it's hard for us to imagine how much has changed. So now I've got to log in here again, right? All right, let me just check. Is it there? Is it soup yet? All right. There we go. All right. So, um, so anyway, with the world changing as fast as it is, you know, do you realize that every one of you sitting there with a smartphone in your hand, hold up your smartphone if you got one. Hold it up. If you had a smartphone, let me see. Look at how many of them are in here. Now, this is one of the reasons why we no longer give out the password for the sanctuary Wi-Fi. <laughs> Because every one of your devices would log on to it as soon as you got in here and it would bump my computer off in the middle of a presentation. That's why you don't have it anymore, just so you know. Uh, the one down the office is open. Anytime you're in that end of the building, it'll work for you for, for, not, uh, for free, no problem. But on this end of the building, we locked it out for that reason. But everybody's got one. So hold that thing up again. Let me see. You hold in your hands more computing power than was used to send men to the moon. In your hand. In your hand, you have, and it doesn't matter, well, you don't know how old my cell phone is. It doesn't matter. If it's a smartphone, 
It's more powerful than all the computers that filled half this room that were used to send uh, at, by NASA to send man to the moon. And you hold it in your hand. Think about that. And that is an enormous amount of change. Somebody say an enormous amount of change that's taken place in our world today. And, uh, and you know, people always talk about how bad the world is and how, how dark it's getting. And I realize that there's a lot of bad stuff that happens. And, uh, but part of the reason why we think the world is so bad is because we know about it instantly. Something happens, a shooting here or something happens there. We know about it instantly, instantly on our phones. Yesterday, one of the world's greatest evangelists, Reinhard Bonnke, passed away yesterday, and I knew about it instantly. It was on my phone. And I, I instantly knew that our loss was heaven's gain, that, that glory was expanded by the person of Reinhard Bonnke, one of the greatest preachers to ever live, and uh, who, who gave his life for the continent of Africa. And, uh, and so he went home to be with the Lord, and, uh, you know, and immediately I got thinking about, you know, well, who's going to be next? You know, uh, God, what are you raising up? And then the Lord spoke to me and he said, you know, it's not that there won't be other Billy Grahams and Reinhard Bonkies, but what I'm raising up is my church. I'm raising up my people to all take the mantle and to carry what those people carry. Someone say amen to that. And so I was struck with that, you know, and all of this stuff, though, we find out about it instantly. And that gets us thinking that sometimes the world is, is, is so bad and and yet, you know, statistically, if you actually do study on it, the opposite is completely true. That the world is in, uh, in every measurable statistic is better today than it has ever been in history. There are less fatalities to war and conflict today. There are, uh, the, the infant mortality rate has, has never uh, been lower. The uh, uh, education, the, the literacy rate globally, everything. I'm not just talking about North America, I'm talking about globally. Uh, the world has never experienced the kind of incredible uh, change for the positive that it's experiencing today. Now, you might look at your own little window in our own little short time frame and say, but, it, but, but this evidence contradicts that. And sometimes it does. But you have to look at the big picture over the last couple hundred years about what God's been doing. And here's the thing. Almost all of that stuff has happened because of people who have a passion for the gospel of Christ. It's Christians that are driving the advancement of education, health care, and everything around the world. Ask anybody who's served as a missionary, who's been to those fields, uh, who they're surrounded by on a regular basis when they're over there. Who, who are the people they rub shoulders with? Who are the people they bump into or who are feeding and educating? Christians, 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 Christians. So sometimes when you get thinking we're not making a difference, you remember we're making a difference. Amen? Amen. So anyway, in the midst of all, I say all that to say that at Christmas time, it's, it's easy to lose sight of all that good news and to, to see all of the, the shopping and the profits and all tinsel and the toys and the celebration uh, and, 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 and the neglect that the whole message gets and to think that people don't really get it and to ask yourself, where is the Prince of Peace in the midst of it all? But he is here. He is here. And the real message of Jesus goes so much deeper than what the world is selling us. And, uh, and that's why I wanted to preach this message this morning. Now I want to show you a video. Sheldon, we got the audio on this? So I have no audio? Does that mean I'm not going to get audio? All right, because if not, I can always uh, hold the microphone inside here. It'll sound like it's coming out of a cave, but they'll hear it. <clears throat> yeah, I'll do that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Okay. Here we go. Oh, you know what? That won't work. Because it's sending the audio to the Apple TV. So you do need to switch it for me. Somewhere, somehow, somewhere. <laughs> uh, well, no, that won't be necessary. We'll, we'll make it, we'll make do. Yeah, really, exactly. Aren't you glad it was a little more reliable back then? Uh, anyway, on the first Christmas night, the Bible tells us the angel came, uh, of the Lord came to those shepherds and said, Fear not, I bring you good news. What was the good news that they brought? Well, during World War II, during World War II, uh, many, many, many families had the, the head of the household go off to war. And it was a common practice, you know, to have families that little kids uh, had, had dad go off to war and, and, they, and they were at risk of not even remembering what dad looked like because they'd been gone so long. And so many parents would, you know, have, uh, you know, a place where there was a picture of dad and they would look at the picture and pray for dad every day, right? And, uh, you know, in the midst of those situations and all, all the rest of it, you know, there was a story told of one little boy. He said, wouldn't it be nice, Mommy, if Daddy could just step right out of that picture frame and come right into the house and be with us? And, you know, that's exactly what uh, Jesus did historically at the Incarnation. He stepped right out of that image that we have of him in, in the, all the prophecies of the Old Testament and all the rest of it. He stepped right out of that picture, and he stepped right into our reality, right into our world. And he became God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what the name means. Amen? So you're going to think this is going to work now, Sheldon? All right, here we go. Beauty. Hey, Ed, come check out my North Star Christmas tree topper at Levitate's. Is this a gummy bear? Yeah, we lost baby Jesus. Hey, check out these LED lights. I have them synced up to a 76-hour all-Christmas music playlist. There's my little Christmas DJ. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you waiting till Christmas is over so you can go buy a new nativity set when they're on sale? Huh? No, no, oh no. We lost baby Jesus like 11 years ago. Is, is baby Jesus always a gummy bear? Oh, no, oh, we trade it out every year. Yeah, like uh, last year it was a uh, tiny troll doll. <laughs> and the year before that we used a uh, dog treat. They were the perfect size, but <laughs> Dalton kept taking them and eating them. You, you mean your dog kept stealing them? No, my son Dalton, he loves those dog treats. Especially the peanut butter ones. There was one year that we used a, uh, a doll head. That was creepy. We, we made a modeling clay, baby Jesus. So the dog took that one too. Um, one year we got desperate and used an ice cube. That was a miss and a mess. Yeah, just seems like everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never lasts. Say that again. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to last. And? And what? Say it again, slowly. Why? Just do it, dulcimo, slowly, do it. I don't understand what's happening. Just do it. This is getting weird. Dang it! Fine! The 
when I'm done saying this, you're gonna march in here and you're gonna watch my star levitate. I'm fine, I'm fine, fine. Do it. Fine. Everything we try to replace baby Jesus with never seems to, oh, yep, there it is. Okay, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Amen. That is awesome. Awesome. I don't know why. Is it back full screen there yet? All right. I think you get the, uh, the idea what they're trying to say. <clears throat> that the baby in the manger 2,000 years ago makes all the difference in the world. Amen? All the difference in the world. And you can't have Christmas without Jesus. Say that to yourself. I can't have Christmas without Jesus. That's the truth. Somebody say Amen. You know, on the first Christmas, the world was thinking Caesar, the world was thinking Rome, the world was thinking all of these things. They weren't thinking a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. They weren't thinking that. But when Jesus came and was born in the manger in Bethlehem, all of history was interrupted. All of history was set on a different course, that now the Messiah had come. And when the Messiah came, it wasn't just good news for the Jews, it was good news for everybody. It was going to change all of human history because now everybody, everybody had access to the Father. You didn't have to convert to Judaism to be able to have access to the Father. God was destroying the distance between him and his bride, between him and his children by bringing his own son, Jesus, to this world. Amen? And you know, we need to understand that this is the real person, this is the real message of Christmas. I remember uh, C.S. Lewis, he argued convincingly, and he said, if you had gone to Buddha and you'd asked him, are you the son of Brahma? He would have said, my son, you're still in the veil of illusion. If you'd gone to Socrates and said, are you Zeus? Then he would have laughed at you. If you'd gone to Muhammad and asked, are you Allah? Then he would have rent his clothes and then he would have cut off your head. If you'd asked Confucius, are you heaven? I think he would probably have said, you know, remarks which are not in accordance with nature are in bad taste. The idea of a great moral teacher saying what Jesus said is out of the question. Lewis said, in my opinion, the only person who could say the sort of thing is either God, like he said he was, or a complete lunatic suffering from a form of delusion which undermines the whole mind of man. If you think you are a poached egg and you're looking for a piece of toast to suit you, uh, it, it may, you may still be sane, he says, but if you think you are God, then there is no chance for you. We may note in passing that he was never regarded as a mere moral teacher. He did not produce that effect on any of the people who actually met him. And get this. Jesus produced mainly three effects. Hatred, terror, or adoration. There was no trace of people expressing mild approval of Jesus. And yet that's what our world wants you to do. Have mild approval. 
right? Mild approval of Jesus, mild approval of his, of, of his person, mild approval of his church and his bride, mild. And if they get crazy, if they get talking about how you need Jesus and stuff, then we want to, they want us to, you know, shut, shut up, shut down. But there is no mild approval of Jesus. We are either celebrating the birth of Jesus or we're not. But, but God will not have us being halfway. We have to be all in. Everybody say all in. So then we talk about the cross. If Christmas is to have any meaning, you can't separate it from the cross. I've told you this before, but my, I remember as a kid, you know, we, we have a, had a trailer park on the road that I lived on, and there was somebody who had, a, a, and back in the days before there were satellite dishes, you had to run these gigantic towers up the side of your house if you wanted to pick up any channels. You got, anybody remember those things? Yeah, we had one. It was like 25 feet high. And then, you know, you had to have a, a thing on top of your television. You rotated, rotated, and it was a little motor that rotated the thing on the top to point in the direction you wanted to watch TV. And you had whole three channels to pick from. All right? CBC, CTV. And, and if you got lucky and there wasn't a snowstorm going on, you got the one from the States, you know, uh, across in Buffalo or Rochester. And, you know, and you had to, and mechanically had a motor that rotated the thing. Am I talking... See, you young people have no idea the hardships your parents endured. <laughs> it was terrible. It was terrible. And every image we got was always snowy anyway. So, uh, you know, this was, this was life, you know. And we drove down the trailer park one year, and somebody on the top of their TV antenna, and the trailer park had a gigantic cross up there, and my mom was like, why do they have a cross up at Christmas time? This is Christmas, not Easter. The cross is for Easter. I said, well, technically the cross is for Good Friday, but, but you know, uh, it was like, it's, it's not the same thing. It is the same thing. You can't separate the cradle from the cross. It, it, the, Jesus came into this world for one reason, to die. He didn't come to show us how to love. He didn't come to be a good teacher. He didn't come for any of those reasons. Did he do those things? Absolutely. Was he those things? Yes, because he was in very nature God. Then he loved perfectly. And he, he, he you know, shared his life and his passion and his heart with people in a, in a beautiful, wonderful manner. But the reality is he came on a mission, and the mission was to die. And so you can't take the, the cradle and cut it off from the cross. The two are woven together. They're woven together. And, the, and that's why, you know, we talk about wrapped in red. It's a season in which the bloodline, the ribbon of his blood runs from the cradle right through to the cross. That's why you can't cut them off. You can't separate the two. It, it's not like you can just have uh, two different stories. They're all one story. Amen? They're all one story. And, you know, the, the world may want to say it's, it's a crazy story that somebody 2,000 years ago dying on a cross could have any impact on the world today, but we know that it's true and that he still does, and he changes people's lives constantly. And when people encounter him, they get set free from drugs and they get set free from addictions and, and compulsive behaviors and people meet Christ and their relationships change and their heart changes and their ability to love changes and, and all of this stuff that in the natural doesn't make any sense happens. And then they experience healing and, and all kinds of other wonderful things. And, and, you know, my own story is filled with that kind of stuff. Why? Simply because I came to know Jesus. And I said, Jesus, would you just take my broken life? And he said, yes, I'll take it right the way it is right there. Yep, I'll take it. And everything changed because of Jesus. But it didn't change just because of baby Jesus. It changed because of cross and rose from the dead Jesus. The same Jesus, amen? And that Jesus, the cross, changed everything. Everything for me. And I know it changed everything for you.
any individual, any nation, any nation that humbles itself before God and says, here we are, broken, take us, change us. God will take that offer. We'll come into that life, come into that nation, come into those people, and we'll change them for his glory and his honor. Now, the part we never, rare, almost never hear about at Christmas. We may, we may have, go to a church and they'll talk about the cross and how you can't separate that from Christmas. But we rarely ever hear about the crown. We very rarely ever hear about the crown. Did you know in the cornerstone of the United Nations building is a quote from the Bible? And uh, it's a quote that has yet to be fulfilled, but it reads and it says this. It says, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. And nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Isaiah 2.4. Carved into the cornerstone of the United Nations. And it's a thrilling thought. And uh, that many people quote all the time, but they usually, you know, quote it out of context because, you know, the fulfillment of that prophecy is going to come when Jesus, if you read it in context, is when Jesus comes back, right? And it's a wonderful thing to aspire towards, though, in the meantime, but it's in context when Jesus came back. But we have a moral obligation, though, spiritually, to work toward what God's kingdom is now. That's why every time when you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're praying one of the most powerful prayers ever written or recorded. That prayer says, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then the next phrase is one of the most profound phrases in all of Scripture. It says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That phrase, that prayer taught to us by Jesus himself has been a motivating factor for the church for 2,000 years. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That the kingdom of God coming to earth is, is one of those things that is, that is uh, not yet, but it is already. Someone say amen. Can you grasp the revelation that it's, yes, it's not yet. The, the Isaiah 2-4 verse is not yet, but it is already. That his kingdom is now. Jesus came and said, I have come to bring the kingdom. I have come. And that when Jesus died on the cross and rose victorious uh, from the grave, that he began an era right then that will move right into eternity. And when Jesus returns, Jesus will return and finish all of the work that we've started. He'll complete it. I don't know how much of it will get done before he comes back. No, I don't theologically believe that we create the perfect world for Jesus to come back to. I don't think that's scriptural. I think that's kind of a, a weird idea. I don't think we'll ever be able to perfect and complete the work that Jesus has for us. But in the meantime, he said, occupy till I come. In other words, that word there is that, that word dominion from Genesis chapter 1. It means to rule and to have order over and to subject all things unto his kingdom until he gets here. And you can't separate the crown from the cradle any more than you can separate the cross from the cradle. That's why unto you is born the Savior, but he also was called what? The Messiah, the King of the Jews. You are a king when you have what? But what do you have? A, a dominion, a kingdom, right? 
You can walk around today calling yourself a king, but you might be only king of your own house. You might, you know, you might even be king of your block, and the neighbors may be, uh, you know, uh, subjected to you and to your music and to your torture, but that doesn't mean they're willing subjects, you know. But Jesus was called the king, and he was a threat to Herod, and he was a threat to all of these people, and he was a threat to the Roman Empire, and he was a threat to the Jewish leaders, and they put him on a cross, and they killed him because he was coming to establish a kingdom that was contrary to the kingdoms and the powers and the authorities that they presently held. If Jesus' message was just love your neighbor, why would the Romans kill him? They were having a real problem with these Jews. So if one of these Jews says, love your enemy... He's the best friend of the Romans. Right? I mean, why would you kill a guy who's telling you, you know, your worst pain in the neck to love you? Right? But they did crucify him. And the religious leaders, if he was just some lunatic who was walking around hugging everybody, why did they want him dead? They all wanted him dead because he realized that he was bringing the message of a different king. That, there was, uh, that he was basically saying, now that I'm here, now that I'm giving my life, now that I'm paying the price, now that I'm making the sacrifice, from this day forward, everything changes. There's a new kingdom being established again. It's the kingdom of God's dominion. And it's the kingdom that we live under. And it, so the kingdom of God, I understand it is, it is not fully yet, but it is already. We're not living under Satan's control until all of a sudden one day, you know, uh, uh, Jesus shows up and, and somehow manages to wrestle it all back from him. As Charles Spurgeon said, you know, I can't even imagine that, that, that Jesus would give up what he died for, uh, for some length of time only to try and take it back and wrestle it from the hands of Satan again at the end of the age. No. We are living proof that Jesus loves us. And when we get a revelation that he has a kingdom that he's established and he's establishing it through us, as our forefathers did throughout history, then you change everything. Then you take the gospel and the good news of the four corners of the earth. You, you build hospitals. You build schools. You, you, you educate. You take care of their health. You, you do everything you can to show them the love of Jesus Christ and to establish a new order. You do it. Why? Because his kingdom is both yet to come and right now. You understand that this morning? And that, 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 that thread of, of is not yet but is already is throughout Scripture. You and I, when we come to Jesus, we, we're saved already. But our ultimate salvation is not yet. Right? Does everybody follow what I'm saying? When you come to Christ, the Bible says you're the righteousness of God. You have been made holy. You, you're, you're already holy, but you're not perfected in holiness. That is not yet. So many things in our Christian walk are that exact same way. They're presently, they are, but they're still not yet. And this kingdom's the same way. It's here. We are subjects and, and, and rulers in his kingdom. The fulfillment of it all is not yet, but it is here nonetheless. Jesus said, it's here. The kingdom of God is here. And he has been seated at the right hand of the Father. He is today already king of kings and lord of lords. There will a day come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that. But that doesn't change the fact that he's still king of kings and lord of lords right now. 
that he rose not to a place of waiting for a couple thousand years or 3,000 years to finally have his throne. He has it already. He is enthroned with God the Father. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And he shall reign forever and ever and ever. Amen? That's the Jesus that we celebrate on Christmas morning. The cradle, the cross, the crown. All three. All three. That's why we sing songs about all three. That's why we acknowledge in most of our old hymns, the old hymn writers, they didn't just talk about the birth. They talked about glory. They talked about the the newborn king. They used that language all through the hymns because they understood it was the cradle, the cross, and the crown. Amen? And this morning, you need to understand that you have an opportunity this Christmas. If you've never given your life to Christ, you have an opportunity this Christmas to start a new journey. And you get to start one with Jesus. You get to start one with Jesus. Not just the baby in the manger, but the one who gave his life for you and who now rules. The one who is over all things. You get to start a relationship with him. But what does he want to have to do with me? Well, you know what? I'm, I'm not sure that I can explain that to you in great detail. It's hard to explain why the creator of the universe wants to have a relationship just with me as an individual, but I can tell you that it's true and that it was that desire for relationship that drove him to the cross in the first place that caused him to be born in the cradle, caused him to go to the cross, and what he reigns to release to you today. You understand what I'm saying? And so this morning, if you've never given your life to Jesus, do it this morning. You have everything to gain. And the things that you have that you say, well, well what, what, what's he going to ask of me? What will I have to give up? Nothing that will harm you. Seriously. That's the good news. Oh, there may be some things that will be painful to let go of. But in the long run, they won't har- it won't harm you to let go of them. Anything he asks of us, to give up, to lay down at his feet this Christmas as an act of worship. Ironically, none of it will ultimately do harm. Jesus did not come to do any harm to us, but to love us, to give us a hope and a future. Amen? And anything we lay down, the blessing will be ours. It will be ours. When I took a hold of that promise, my life was changed forever. And there's so many in here could make that exact same testimony. Could just tell you that everything shifted when Jesus came in. And that today you could experience that same shift. So I'm going to ask everybody in the place to stand together this morning. I want everybody just to close your eyes in the presence of the Lord here this morning. (sighs) Right now in this place, um, we stand before you, Jesus. And what do we have to give but our life? We We can give other things. We can give our time. We can give our finances. We can give, you know, uh, talents and abilities, but ultimately, the real thing of value that we have to give is simply our life. And that's the thing you want. All the rest of it is directly tied 
to our life. You want our life. And if the revelation could come home to every one of us that what you want to do with our life is infinitely better than the plans that we would have on our own, then there'd be absolutely no reason why we would not want to give you our life. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ, then could I tell you that today is the day. Begin today. Don't, don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait till next week. Today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day when you begin. And understand that God simply wants to love you. He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to strengthen you. And yes, there, there may be things that he says you need to lay this down or that down. But everything that we lay down only helps us to be the very best version of us that we can possibly be. So that we produce the best fruit, the, 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 the best hope, the best joy, the best results in our own lives and in the lives of those that we care about. So if you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ and you're saying... You know, I'd like to do that today, but I, I need you to pray with me. I just want you to hold your hand up. I'd love to pray with you this morning. Just hold your hand up and say, yeah, do that. Uh, I'd like to do that today. I would like to start that journey. Would you pray for me? Just hold your hand up so I can see it this morning. Don't be shy. Yeah, see that hand. Anybody else? Today is the day. Don't wait till tomorrow. Start today. Anybody else this morning? All right. Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you apprehended our life, and we have that testimony today that everything changed because of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that Jesus came in the cradle, but he went to the cross, and today he reigns in glory. He has a victor's crown. And we thank you, Lord, that... One day that that crown, victorious Jesus, will come back and he will set at that time everything right and establish the final kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that will reign and supreme forevermore, the kingdom that we now embrace, but Lord is already but is not yet. And Father, we thank you for it today in Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you put your hand up or even if you didn't, you had a little, you have a little more courage now. Just come on up and talk to me after. I really want to pray with you. I just want to spend some. Pastor Mark's going to be up here with me as well. We just would love to, to bless you this morning. And uh, we need a little bit of help. Before you go, folks, look at Pastor. I need a little bit of help. The ladies have their event here on Wednesday night, and they need some help right now setting up. Otherwise, my wife's going to break her back being in here from Tuesday to Wednesday. Uh, so. No, if I'm you not. can help He's us, gonna break his back. what kind of instructions do you have for us? Okay, chair? I want the chairs, put them to the side. Then we're going to set up uh, three tables in the center, two tables along the back.